You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's great help in Ramat Shemesh Israel 5769, 2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayera. The Parsha begins with a story where we have these three people who seem to be people, but really they're angels, and they come to tell Abraham, to tell Avram Avinu and Sarah that they're going to have a child. And so the story goes that they were telling Avraham and Sarah was listening from the tent. She's listening and she can't believe what she hears. They say that she's going to have a child. They remember we're talking about a woman who was 89 years old. And they say that she's going to have a child. She laughed. She couldn't believe it. It sounded ridiculous to her. She didn't realize that the people who were speaking were actually angels. And so she laughs and they say, how could you laugh? And she says, I didn't laugh. And they said, yes, you laughed. That's the first story. But the story doesn't end there. Two out of these three angels, they get up, or all three of them get up to go. And Avram already realized that they're angels, but two of them, they look out at Sodom, I guess from where Avram lived, so it was possible to see Sodom. And Sodom was a place full of evil people. It's a city that had been around for 52 years. And during its 52 years, so all of the people of Sodom, so they were all concerned solely about their wealth. They were very wealthy. They were living in a place that was very fertile. It was similar to Mitzrayim, it was similar to Egypt, in that it was a place that all of its water needs were provided with irrigation. It wasn't necessary to even have rain. It was a very wealthy area, a very fertile area. And the people of Sodom, they were very evil. The verses say they were very evil. And so the, the verses go on to tell us how Hashem reveals to Abraham, to Avram Avinu, that he's going to destroy Sodom. And Avram says, perhaps there are 50 tzaddik and there are 50 righteous people. And he says, perhaps there are 45, perhaps there's 40, goes down to 10. In any event, Avram tries to save the people, and it seems it's clear that it doesn't work because there aren't even ten tzaddikim, ten people who are righteous who can have a good effect on the rest of the people. And so these angels, they go down, two out of those three original angels, they go down, and they're ready to destroy Sodom. But before they destroy Sodom, they have to save Lot, because Lot, because of the great kindness of Abraham, because of the great kindness of Avram Avinu, and the righteousness of Avram Avinu, so Lot, his nephew, deserves to be saved, and so Lot is taken out of there, and Sodom is completely destroyed, or four out of the five cities end up being destroyed, one of them gets saved, but Lot and his daughters, they go up into the hills, and they believe, the daughters believe, that the whole world has been destroyed, similar to what happened in the time of the Mabul, and therefore they say to themselves, listen, we have to, if we don't, if we don't do something now, so the human race will be destroyed. And they got up and they and the Torah tells us and they each one of them they got their father drunk, and one of them slept with the father in the first night, and the second one got her father drunk and slept with him the second night, and they had two children, which are Moab and Ammon, and from then came the nations of Moab and Ammon. Now you're probably wondering why is it that I'm telling you this whole story, you know, starting with the angels with Abraham and with Sarah, and then going on to Lot and the destruction of Sodom. So on the surface, it doesn't seem to have any kind of connection. But the truth is that the way the Torah is written, it's clear that this is a continuation. The stories flow one to the other. And what I mean is that many times we find in the Torah that when you have one parsha, one section, one piece, one part of the story that doesn't connect to a different part of the story, so the Torah will actually break it up. And if you look inside of a Torah scroll, you'll actually see that there's a break. There will actually be a space between one story or one parsha, one section and the next. Or if it's a, a more distant connection between the previous parsha, the previous section, and the next section, so there'll be a whole line break. But here, throughout this whole story, there's no line breaks, there's no separations. This is all one flowing story. And it's clear, even from the text itself, because you see that these three angels, so they started their journey speaking to Avram, speaking to Sarah, and then 
two out of those three continued on the journey. One of them was to destroy Sodom, and one of them was to save Lot. In any event, we see that there's a continuity, there's a continuation. The first question that we have to ask here is, what is the connection between these two stories? What, what is the connection between Avram and Sarah finding out that they're going to have a child? And the destruction of Sodom and Lot being saved, what's the connection between these stories? Asking the question slightly differently, just bringing out the question slightly better, we could ask the question this way. It's clear that the destruction of Sodom happened at the precise moment that Avram Avinu and Sarah were about to conceive Yitzchak. Abraham and Sarah were about to conceive Isaac, and at that moment, so they're sent in three, three angels to inform them, and then at the same moment, those angels are going to destroy Sodom. It almost seems like a prerequisite for the conception of Yitzchak, of Isaac, was that Sodom be destroyed. What is the understanding of that? Why does that seem to be so? Now let's also go back through the story. We'll take it point by point, step by step, because there are a few things that also need explanation in the story itself, besides for just the general connection between Sodom's destruction and the conception of Yitzchak, but we also need to understand the story itself. Because at the very beginning of the story, so these three angels are coming to inform Avram, Avin, Abraham, and Sarah that they're about to have a child, that they're about to conceive. Now the question here, the most obvious question here, is if you continue from the previous week's parsha, last week's parsha, so we saw that God already had told Abraham, Hashem had already said to Avram Avinu that he's going to have a child. So what was the necessity of these angels coming now to tell him? So one of the things that we see right away here is that they were coming not to tell Abraham, because Abraham already knew, but clearly they were coming to tell Sarah. And what's interesting here is that although Abraham knew, he had not yet told Sarah, which means that it was revealed to Abraham, but in those days, as we may have mentioned last year, but Rabbi Vigdor Miller points out, that in those days, if someone would get a revelation, it didn't mean that he would he would not reveal it to anyone else. We see this in a number of different places. You'll see it with, with Rebecca, where she gets a revelation, which she does not reveal to, to Isaac. But in any event, so Avram had not revealed it yet to Sarah, but now is the time for Sarah to know. So the question becomes like this, if that's the understanding, if that's true, that it's really the revelation here of the angels was really coming for Sarah, so why didn't they tell her directly? It's clear in the verses that they're actually speaking to Abraham and Sarah's overhearing it. And to the point where Sarah doesn't even realize that they're angels. That's why she laughs. She says she, she can't believe that she's about to have a child. Here she is, she's 89 years old. She can't believe it. She's laughing because she doesn't realize that these are angels talking. But Abraham, he realizes because he already knows he has the promise from God that he's going to have children. So he realized what's going on, but she didn't. So if the whole reason why they're coming is to explain it to her, why are they talking to him? And why are they doing it in such a way that she doesn't even realize that they're talking to her and that they're angels? That's the point that needs explanation right here. As the story continues, as we mentioned, so we have two out of the three angels continuing on their way, and their job is to destroy Sodom and to save Lot. So the question here is like this. Of those original three, so the Mephorshim, the commentaries explain that one out of those three angels, he completed his mission. His job was just to tell Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child. He was done. Then there was another two. One out of those two, so his job was to help Abraham. Abraham had just had his circumcision. So his job was to help him get better, to bring him a rafua, to bring him a recovery. 
That was the second one's job. And the third one's job was to destroy Sodom. Now the question is, so the first guy completed his job and he was done, so that Malach went away, that angel went away. So now we have two more. So the question is, the third one, whose job was only to destroy Sodom, why did he have to come along at all to be there with Abraham? When, when Abraham was finding out, or when Sarah was finding out, that they were going to have a child. Why was that necessary in the first place? Again, we see over here that there's a connection between the destruction of Sodom and this message, the tidings that Abraham is getting. This needs explanation. The story continues. The Torah tells us that the two angels go down and Lot invites them, please come to my house. He wants to show them hospitality. And he brings them into his house and the people of Sodom find out that there are these people who are coming, these poor people. And in Sodom it was not accepted for people to be having showing hospitality for someone who is poor. So they want to kill these people. They want to sodomize these people. In any event, so finally the angels say, we're going to destroy this place, Lot, take your family, let's get out of here. Lot takes his two daughters, his wife looks back, she dies, she turns into a pillar of salt. Sodom is destroyed. question is, why is Sodom destroyed? Like we mentioned before, why is it destroyed at this point in history? What was so horrible about their sin that they, that they had to be completely destroyed? And what was the merit that brought Lot out? And why specifically at this point do we find that Lot, he has relations with his two daughters? And the Torah tells us that the result of these relations were the two nations of Moab and Ammon. So let's begin this binyan. We need to build an explanation for all of these questions. Mirz Hashem with Hashem's help. Let's start that with one of the questions that we asked earlier. The question that we asked earlier was, why was it necessary for the angels? Why didn't they say directly to Sarah, if the whole reason that they were coming to tell Avram and Sarah that they were going to have a child was for Sarah's knowledge, why didn't they say it directly to her? Why did she deny that she had laughed? And why was there a response, no, you have laughed? That's the first question I'd like to try to understand. So to begin with, we need to know that Sarah Imenu, in a certain respect, was a greater Nevia, she was a greater prophetess than Abraham. That's what our sages tell us, because the verses say later on that Sarah tells Avram Avinu, he says to him, you have to get rid of Hagar and Yishmael, you have to kick them out of the house, Yishmael is having a bad effect on Yitzchak. And Hashem says to Avram Avinu, whatever Sarah says, listen to her voice. She knows what she's talking about. And the sages say, Rashi points out right there on the verse, it says, our sages say that she was a greater prophetess than Abraham. So now, we already see, we see that Sarah Imenu, she had that ability to be a greater prophetess than Abraham. So again, why is it that Sarah is not being told directly? Why is it being told through Abraham? And she doesn't even realize that the people who are relaying this message are actually angels. And I think that this question is actually the answer to the question. Because what we see, where is it that Sarah Imenu has a stronger nevuah? I don't know if it's in every single case that Sarah Imenu was a greater prophetess. We find that in regards to Hagar and Yishmael, in regards to throwing out Yishmael, Sarah was a greater prophetess. She realized that this person, Yishmael, was not going to have a good effect on Yitzchak. In order for Yitzchak to remain pure, to remain pristine, and for him to be able to be the progenitor of the Jewish nation, so Yishmael had to be removed from the scene. She was able to see that. 
And the reason is because Sarah, her characteristic was in a certain sense the exact opposite of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was chesed. Chesed means the ultimate kindness. A person who's the ultimate kind person, he could never throw out his own son. How could he even dream of throwing out Yishmael? We'll do whatever we have to do. We'll separate them. We'll try to make things better. We'll speak to him. We'll do whatever needs to be done so he shouldn't have a bad effect on Yitzchak. Sarah was the exact opposite. She knew where to draw the line. She knew when a relationship would not be good. It would be destructive. In fact, if Yishma would remain there, it would be a tremendous detraction from the holiness of the family. And she knew that it needed to be removed. That was her power. Her power was Gvura. Gvura means the ability to withhold Chesed. She was the balance for Abraham. And being that Abraham was so perfect in his chesed, he was so great in his kindness, he couldn't see that Yishmael needed to be removed. Thus, that's why Hashem had to tell him, no, Sarah is the right balance for you. You must listen to her voice in this area. She knows what she's talking about. You can't see it, but she can. Listen to whatever she says. This explains to us why was it that Hashem, that the angels couldn't reveal themselves directly to Sarah. They had to speak to Abraham. And the answer is because they were coming to tell a tremendous chesed, a tremendous kindness that God was about to do, something that was unheard of and something that Sarah couldn't hear of. She couldn't hear of the fact that there would be this type of kindness coming out from God, that she was, she at the age of 89, at the age of 90, she's going to give birth to a child unheard of. That was beyond her capacity to understand. Only Abraham, only Avram Avinu, who was chesed, he was kindness. He could understand that there could be such great kindness. He was unreserved kindness. And that's why the message had to come through him to her, because she couldn't receive this message directly, because of her status as gvura, her status of being somebody who couldn't conceive of, couldn't perceive the ultimate kindness, this unbridled kindness. She could only perceive something which was gvura, which was a holding back of the kindness. That was where she played in. That's why when Abraham heard it in last week's parsha, the verse says that he laughed. But the, the uncleus translate what was his laugh? His laugh was joy. Vachadi means he rejoiced. He was able to hear it. Whereas when she laughs over here, so uncleus translates vechaychas. She smiled. It was a joke to her. It was a joke. How could she possibly have children? She couldn't conceive. She didn't think in that way. That's why it had to come through Avraham. And in a certain sense, that's why Avraham had to correct her, and she had to realize that there was a mistake that she made. She had. Laughed. It was the wrong kind of laughter. It wasn't a tzchok. It wasn't a joke. It was a joyful thing. That's what Avram was showing her. That's what he was teaching her. And only at that point, once she made that realization, once she realized that she, and there, there are times when it's inappropriate to hold back, to have that gevura, to have that sense that not everything is possible. Only then, when she was opened up to that realization, only then did it become possible for Hashem to bring down this chesed, this ultimate kindness, which was to have them be able to have a child, a miraculous child, when Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100. This interaction can also serve as a symbol to help us understand why it was that Sodom had to be destroyed at this point as well. Because Sodom, these people were incredibly wealthy. But their problem was that they wanted to keep their wealth only for themselves. They weren't ready. They weren't willing to share it. If someone would come who was poor, they had nothing. There was no empathy. There was no sympathy. There was nothing. My wealth is my wealth. I cannot give it over to you. They were the exact opposite of Abraham. Abraham said, whatever I have, I want to give over. I want to share. Whatever knowledge I have, I want to give over. I want to share. That was Abraham. So that was the exact opposite. Whatever I have, I want to keep for myself. No one else can touch it. Don't come near it. 
That's why at this point in history, when Yitzchak was about to come into the world, so there was a tremendous chesed that was about to come out from Hashem. But there was something blocking that chesed. What was blocking the kindness of God was the fact that there was there could exist five cities, an area where these people are so completely enamored and concerned with themselves, and they can't give over to anyone else. That was a block. That was a gavura. That was something that was holding it back. There was a restraint. That restraint, that gavura had to be removed. That's why Saddam had to be destroyed at this point. And it could be, this is very theoretical, but it could be, that's why the angel who was coming to destroy Saddam, he had to be there when Sarah was being told that she was going to have a child. Because she was going to laugh. Because on her on her part, there was also a gavur, a restraint that had to be removed. She had to remove her doubts that had to be removed before she could have a child, before she could conceive of Yitzchak. And that angel who was going to destroy Saddam had to know that the first level in Sarah Imenu, the level of restraint that was there, first that level had to be removed before they could get to the next level, which was to remove the greater block, which was the restraint of Saddam, that Saddam was preventing the kindness, the production of a Yitzchak from coming into the world. And finally, the result of this restraint of Saddam being removed was such that there could be a conception of Yitzchak. But besides for that, so there was another conception that took place. And that was Lot with his two daughters. Lot and his two daughters were able to escape because of the merit of the kindness of Abraham. Because of his chesed, that's why they were able to escape. And what was the result of that? They had two children. One was Amon and one was Moab. From Moab, Moab was the great ancestor of Rus. Rus was the great-grandmother of David HaMelech, and David HaMelech was the great ancestor of the Mashiach, of the Messiah, that should come speedily in our, in our days. It was only possible, however, for that beginning to take place only once the restraint of this lack of chesed of Sodom was removed. Only then could the beginnings of that semach, that sprout of David, begin to take root. The message that we have from this whole Dvar Torah, from this idea, is that if we want the kindness of Hashem, the goodness of God to come into our lives, so we have to recognize where we're holding it back. Because God, He always wants to give us the ultimate good. But He can't give it to us unless we're open to that good, unless we're proper vessels for that good. If we're giving over good to others, if we're ready to give charity, if we're ready to give tzedakah, if we're constantly involving giving, that's when Hashem gives to us. So a person, he thinks, you know, if I'm gonna, if I want to have money in my old age, what do I do? I put it into investments. But we learn in, in our times we can see that investments are very nice, but they're not safe. The only place, the only safe place to put our money is to invest it in our good deeds and charity and Hashem promises God himself promises if you take off my sir if you give tithes if you give charity if you're involved in giving so then you make yourself into a utensil a vessel for God to send out his goodness into the world to you specifically and they should be able to share that good with others thank you so much for listening and have a very good Shabbos